0: Hello everyone, welcome to Game Junk Prototype, episode 19, recording on July 3rd, 2020. My name is Frank. My name is Sean.
1: And my name is Andrew.
0: And we're going to be doing a little follow-up discussion from last week. We talked about, are games too long? Is the AAA model sustainable? We're going to do a little follow-up with some news with games, some next-gen prices going up, and maybe some that are staying lower in current gen and what that indicates and we'll also be talking a bit about what we played i finished the last of us 2 i'll be holding off comments for a full review in the very near future these guys are on top of this game gonna crush it <laughs> i'm two hours away from a plat love and life and
2: uh yeah how are you guys doing not bad not bad happy canada day Happy Independence Day to our friends down south.
1: I just got back from a little Canada Day vacation, so you guys will be carrying this show big time. Well, there's not much
0: to carry. It might be a quickie, but we often say that, and it goes forever. So let's get right into it. A couple things. seems like just today or yesterday it was announced that NBA 2K11 featuring... Zion Williamson from the New Orleans Pelicans on the hardware. Two K twenty one. What did I say? Two K eleven. I said two K eleven. I'm a decade behind. I think so. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm in trouble. Two uh, K twenty one. I really am a decade behind. That's fucking scary.
1: Uh,
0: and and I think it also features Kobe Bryant and uh, Damian Lillard as three cover athletes. Anyway, that game is going to be. 89.99 Now I think that's just on next gen consoles has I didn't get that far into it is it still the, the same price on older consoles or is this a general price bump So you're saying
2: 89.99 that would be I a Canadian, what the Canadian yes. price would be right So, so they've gone in up the US Yeah, jumping from 59 to 69 for next gen potentially
1: And that's just next gen not previous gen
2: Right. And Rich. so we don't know for sure if this is what all next gen games will be. This is just the first one that we've kind of seen. And I mean publishers are obviously free to set their prices wherever they want, but if somebody kind of uh plants that flag, I don't see why others wouldn't follow suit. And we had talked yeah, this- about the
0: sustainability of triple A games and what the price is gonna be. We'll see if this is a a general trend, but there were leaks before Sony's press conference that had more expensive games I think on UK Amazon, so people were already talking about this, and it seems like it, it might be happening um, Sorry, Huck, go ahead
1: I was just going to say this sort of uh, throws a wrench into the Microsoft smart delivery that we were talking about, either last show or the show before, where you purchase the previous gen you get upgraded to the next gen essentially free of charge now i guess that will be publisher dependent if you sign on for that or not or maybe you just have to pay a ten dollar sort of like upgrade fee for certain publishers that is not totally clear but it'll be interesting on microsoft's end to see how they handle mm-hmm. this news from uh, 2k and
0: I- Let's be clear here. I don't think Microsoft has committed to every game being upgradable automatically, have they? Yeah,
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I believe in their press conference, they had certain games flagged with smart delivery and not all of them had that. So it was obvious that some mm-hmm. some had already signed on, others had not. So, uh, But it'll be interesting to see if they... I think they've already said almost all games are backwards compatible though so in theory you could play the previous gen 2k 21 on your Xbox series X but could will you be allowed to upgrade for cheaper or uh, that's kind of the interesting question that now is is come up I think with this well
0: I think that's interesting because how I would think it would up op- operate is that there's like one SKU or title id and with the smart delivery that it just installs based on your hardware and there's rumors about uh s series coming out as well did anyone see stuff about this for the xbox
2: no No. i don't think so uh
0: i think i I saw that somewhere that it's like a, a less powerful version of the next gen console so i don't know if that's true or not but i mean this is all getting a little crazy. And in order for this to happen, Microsoft must have like a system in place to handle all of this stuff in different versions. And I would think it's one skew and maybe their plan could be to subsidize the cost of upgrades or pay developers as all part of a a plan to get people buying in to the Microsoft ecosystem. I'm not sure, but in terms of the price increase, is it a game changer? I know I've joked before. Uh, I would pay $300 or whatever for Mario Odyssey. or like the, the, the value of the game, it's not a, a fixed number for me. So I'm obviously going to continue to buy games, And but not everyone is in that situation where they have unlimited money to spend. And to be fair, I think NBA 2K is a game that some gamers buy, and like that's what they play. That's their game so i don't know if every game could do this and whether or not they will but it could mean good things for what would be considered a double a game or indie game now as well if the prices are skewing upwards and there is does seem to be something to the fact that it's unsustainable the current pricing model uh but i i don't know i think it's more the risk you don't know how these games are going to do and games that are obviously going to do well i think you could have predicted the last of us 2 would sell well that there there's a lot less risk in that game than there are in some others but i don't know i haven't heard i'm not that plugged in these days to be perfectly honest but i don't know what the the general consensus is is this a terrible thing are people mad about it i have no idea
2: Well, I mean, I haven't seen too much so far, but I've actually seen people defending it, which maybe I just happen to follow a lot of developers. I'm not too sure on like Twitter and stuff. But uh, So a couple quick things to mention here. So I didn't realize this, but according to the article I'm looking at, they said that the last time prices went up was 2002, which is quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of surprising. They say that uh, if game prices had followed inflation they would be at about 85 dollars right now i guess u.s so you know we're still kind of uh under that but the thing that i was surprised about i was trying to remember i was like i swear prices went up not that long ago but that was only in canada Mm -hmm. that was because of the exchange rate, and that was around the time i think that the ps4 came out if i'm not mistaken and uh And that would seem like a significant jump to me at the time. And I have to admit, I mean, for me personally, it kind of just pushed me into a zone where I was kind of already doing this, but it was kind of like, I'm only going to buy a handful of AAA games every year from now on. And I mean, I don't have the time to put into a lot of them anyway. So that kind of seemed to work out for me, you know, a handful of AAA games that I will pay full price for other stuff i'll either wait to go on sale or i'll buy some indie stuff to fill in the gaps of things i want to play uh and that's kind of still where i'm at but you know the the average gamer i mean do are there still a lot of gamers out there that are buying every single game day one i'm not sure i don't know if everybody's like frank or not
0: i doubt it i i mean even i question it when i do it but uh (laughs) I think I'm pretty sure in Canada, at one point for NES games were 69 and then they came down. I, I'm almost positive like Super Mario Brothers 3 and some bigger cartridges at the time were 69 ninety nine and then the price came down and then went back up. And I mean at least we're I guess we're saving like three dollars exchange this time because it's going up 10 in the states and only 10 here instead of 13 so we're getting a bit of that back i don't know i don't have a huge issue with this but i'm surprised it's not a bigger deal like it's not like a huge story cuz i just heard about it from you guys today and i i mean i i generally check stuff but it's i i thought this would be a much bigger deal
1: yeah people i mean i just got back so i don't really know but it doesn't seem like there's much there's many art, too many articles about it. From just my quick searching about it, I did I did just get some clarification though about the two K twenty one specific versions uh, and the cross gen. So the Damian Lillard cover is previous gen only. Then there is a Kobe Bryant Mamba Forever edition that you can buy last gen, but that gets you next gen. Okay. That is also a uh, hundred dollars oh, USD. Okay.
0: So they're almost then factoring buy, in the price increase the, themselves.
1: Yeah. So essentially there's like a deluxe version you can buy that gets all the Kobe Bryant whatever bonus stuff plus the next gen. And likewise if you buy the Kobe Bryant next gen version you get the previous gen included in that.
0: What about Zion? But that's you, that's the one I
1: want. If you Zion is just next gen. So that's perfect. No yes, I, I'm next-gen
2: only, too. Now we're talking. Beautiful. So that, this is what Take-Two has decided to do, and yes. we maybe can assume they will do with other games, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what other publishers are going to do. Yes. But, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, as we talked about last week, I think AAA games have grown in terms of, cost to develop them the complexity of them like i think it makes sense that prices need to go up at some point um i don't i don't know i, I like i feel like doing it when there's a generation a, a new console generation coming in makes the most sense i don't know if it's always been that way i feel like it probably has but that's the best way to kind of hide it to the consumer right and i mean you're going to get the people who are the early adopters kind of saying well i don't care i'll pay whatever and then uh you know the other people will have some time to kind of get get used to it and and uh maybe complain a bit but i mean i don't know i, I think it's it was inevitable so I just if it, if it is true that 2002 is the last time prices really went up then um I think people should just be thankful that they've had this price as long as they have.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely. they might just be realizing early adopters are going to pay anything anyway. So they yeah. might just be going after... We don't even know how much the consoles are going to be. So they, right. they could be much more than we think. Also banking on the early adopter thing and a potential, potential lower supply because of the pandemic. Uh, but I, I do... There is a rumor about Xbox Series S as well. So, I mean, if it's a Series S, this naming is just the worst. I'm sorry. I I
2: don't... (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's getting pretty confusing. It's it's terrible. Uh, But it hasn't happened yet. So, don't want to say for sure. Now, another... uh, Actually, while we're on this... Go ahead. I was
1: just going to add, too, that uh, with the prevalence of sales... Uh, and them having seeming like so quickly, other than like Nintendo games, uh having a higher price point for people who are willing to pay it is probably in their best interest for all publishers and all developers uh, because like I mean things seem to be going on sale launch week and stuff like that, so uh, it just if you can get the higher price, even if it's just ten dollars more, and people are willing to pay that, I think it's it's good for everyone
0: well, and the prices drop price so down. fast. Like,
1: yeah, exactly within two
0: months, they're half price, so maybe that's what it's more about. So, when they cut it down to half price in three months, it's still maybe five bucks more or ten bucks more. So, Mm -hmm. um, these Nintendo really is impressive in the way they even though it drives me crazy, particularly with games that came out on the Wii U and are still seven or eighty dollars Canadian. But at least they, when you buy a Nintendo game, I'm not worried about it going on sale two weeks from now. I'm like, okay, I should be good. Uh, Even if I bought physically, their resale value is pretty high. So I think we might see a change in how much stuff goes on sale in the next gen as well. Um, I mean, obviously market stuff will determine that, but it feels like things go on sale way too early now. And I, I don't know if publishers are
2: starting to rethink that idea but who knows I I think it's things have changed in the last generation too just because so many people have been going digital or at least buying a lot of games digitally it's just at least for me like my mentality is unless it's a game that you know I know I'm going to buy day one that I can't wait for a lot of times I'm thinking well just wait for it to go on sale I mean how often do you hear that now you hear it all the time people know those sales are coming
0: well, it's a real and, question for indie studios because it's like a lot of indie games go on sale for $5 within a short period of time and everyone just waits till it's on sale, especially when they find out it's a certain length or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's a big deal. And the only way it'll ever shift is if people stop putting it on sale. But if there's an opportunity to make money, someone's going to do it. So just a quick follow-up. Uh, which was a question on Twitter from Dimitri K. Uh, A question for you guys for the next episode, if you choose to answer questions. This is in reply to our AAA Games too long post. What are your thoughts on the reasoning behind Star Wars Squadrons being only $40 at retail? Is it because it's going to have a very short single-player component? It's possible. My initial reaction is, I don't know if they've announced that there's a next-gen version of this game yet, to my knowledge yeah i'm not sure either i'm assuming there will be but it could be just there's not a lot of games coming out i'm sure it is relatively short the single player campaign uh but it is mostly an online game and vr and there seems to be a definite price point with vr stuff you don't see a lot of full price vr games out there very few um and it might just be an opportunity where people are like the new consoles are coming out. Do I even want to buy a game? And when it's $40 or 50 in Canada, just why not go for it? It's so cheap that I think the, the risk... And maybe it's to drive pre-orders as well. Because with Star Wars games and EA games, people are always waiting for reviews. And I could see it just be like, well, for $40, I'll pre-order. Even though that doesn't mean that much anymore unless it's a digital pre-order. But... We're kind of in a digital economy for games these days until things change. So maybe it's a way of getting that pre-order cash too. I have no idea. Those are my initial speculations.
1: I was just going to say I'm wondering if it has microtransactions, but I just did a quick search and and EA has announced that there are none. So obviously uh, that's not a reason why it would be cheaper. I thought maybe it would be cheaper because they're going to have microtransactions to sort of try to offset the cost and try to, cause I know there was a little blowback for battlefront being a full price game. Yeah, having all those microtransactions in it, especially battlefront two. Well, I
0: think that battlefront two controversy was more that it was like paid Loot box. Well, like you actually got better by having, it wasn't cosmetic. Like it actually, mm. it was tough to compete with people if you didn't have DLC. Uh, like the cards and all the power-ups and stuff like that. It's kind of true. I played it, and it was frustrating. I felt like I was at a significant disadvantage. Uh,
2: that but- That is an interesting point, though, just on the price of games overall as well, is maybe the price is going up is an indication that developers are moving away from the microtransactions yeah. and the loot boxes, because clearly they've been getting hammered over this, and there's a lot of legal stuff that's been happening to try and prevent loot boxes in particular, so... That's a really maybe good point. That's, that's part of it.
0: Yeah, but there's still—I mean—that wording is very. Uh, you could read into that as well that it, maybe there's DLC, like pay DLC, not microtransactions, and true. EA yeah. seems Expansion to be packs. pretty <laughs> conscious of the reputation, so I doubt they do that. And it seems weird to support this kind of stuff in between generations. But I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. Could be good.
2: I mean Iron Man VR is 49.99 as well, right? Or 39 in the US I, I think. It's,
0: I believe it's 55 in Canada, so I think that makes sense. The deluxe edition was 65 or something like that. I have purchased yeah. that. I've not
2: uh, fired it up yet. Yeah, I just I, I immediately thought of the VR price point cuz there really are not very many full price VR games right now so if that's where they're positioning it as like a big vr title then that might make sense Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't be surprised if it's short i mean it kind of came out of nowhere right so kind of makes sense
0: cool uh all right let's get into what we're playing i guess i'll start with
1: what we're what was to do do we want to talk about that apple report i was talking about before we can okay Uh, Just briefly, I found an article on GameIndustry.biz saying that Apple has reportedly, or is reportedly, ending some Apple Arcade contracts, and they're seeking games with higher retention rates, uh, which is bad for, you know, indies that thought they had a nice kind of like new publishing partner in Apple, and now they're probably going to more you know free-to-play type or I guess roguelite games as well, like games that have uh random generation in them. Uh, but like games like I, like I worked on with A Fold Apart, you know, it's, it's this level base, there's six worlds. It's about like a four hour experience or less. And so they're going away from that. So that is not good for those type of games that they were looking for a way to get on a mobile that isn't, you know, sell your soul to the the free to play microtransactions actions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, let me add, sad, let
0: me add a follow up there. We have a question kind of related to this since you specifically said rogue likes or roguelites uh from Colin yeah. saying, "Hey guys, game designer developer question that's been on my my mind. Do you think the fact that we're seeing so many roguelite games is because testing found that the least favorite parts of games are dying and reloading, a concept pioneered uh by among others Super Meat Boy." but didn't mind it if they felt that they progressed at least somewhat. That is, resetting is fine as long as, one, they don't have reload themselves. Two, the load isn't that long. And where we go beyond Super, or, uh, super Meat Boy. Uh, three, they've learned something, or there's always a possibility of learning something that will help them out the next time they set out. Um, also, what are some gaming trends that you have that you know have come out of the testing process, if any, thanks, Colin. So, uh, sorry, I kind of butchered that, but it, it's it's worded a little awkwardly. I don't know. I think it that's part of it. I'm sure people don't like dying and reloading, but, I mean, it depends on the game you play. Like, Souls-like or, you know, from software games still have heavy load times and they're extremely popular. And I think it's just a very addictive design. Like you're getting a little bit each time, kind of later in what the email is alluding to. And in terms of retention on the Apple store, it's like it keeps you coming back. There's some addictive loop to these games and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. It is probably that slight progression or learning is incremental and very carefully designed. But I also think there's an illusion there with these games that you could beat it all in one go if you were really good. Well, I don't think that's possible. I think you do have to level up to, unless you're like doing speed runs or something like that, to get to that level. I think there is like a perception of skill in the design that you can do everything and leveling up is just making it easier and you're actually just getting better at the game while you're playing too. I don't know. It's I love these games now. It took me a while to get sold on them, but... There, it's a very effective game loop. And I think it's more about that than people not like dying and reloading. Last of Us 2 has very quick load times because if you're in a section, it's already loaded. That's more in the developer to handle resetting. If they have like systems that require like hard reloads of stuff, then it's, pro- it's a problem. Uh, but design can get around that stuff. And obviously, like we speculated, with the new PlayStation loading times that could be a thing of the past as well so i don't know if it's specifically about dying and reloading uh i haven't experienced it that much in games recently i do hate load times but i mean all games have them at some point for the most part but i don't know yeah any thoughts on roguelite why it's popular apple arcade uh wanting more games like that sean you play a lot of apple arcade like give us the lowdown here
2: well i yeah the news that huck brought up was kind of disappointing to me because you know i have been enjoying apple arcade although i do find myself constantly kind of weighing like okay is there like a quote-unquote big release that's like gonna make it worth it for me every month you know what i mean and they just put out beneath the steel sky which is Beneath the Steel Sky, beyond the Steel Sky, which is the sequel to Beneath the Steel Sky, which I was kind of looking forward to. So that that's a big title they just released, but it does sound like people are probably signing up to play a specific game, beating that game, and then canceling, uh, or just doing the trial, trying it out, and being like, "Yeah, there's not enough here to keep me here." And I think that's that sucks because I think that's kind of been where the mobile space has been going for a long time is towards these games that you can monetize that don't really have an end, that you can just keep keep people playing sure. them and coming back over and over again. Match three but games, like the story, Clash of Clans. Yeah, exactly. That. But the story-based games that actually have an end to them, that are more like your linear adventure games or whatever, they kind of died out because nobody wants to you know, pay a premium for that. And it seemed like Apple Arcade would come in and save the day with that stuff, but maybe not. Yeah, I but, don't know about I mean, Apple it's... Arcade in terms of playing games. Like, obviously, with mobile games,
0: I think of them more as, like, shitter games, you know? Something to play on the shitter. I'm not going to play a, a linear game <laughs> if I'm, you know, going to stop and who knows, five minutes, 20 minutes? It could... <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but that's you want really small loops and i guess rogue you could super meat boy is a great example of a game that has a very small loop that would be effective on a platform like that so it kind of makes sense it's not
2: really that game's not a rogue light
0: no but it has the spirit of it with like fast uh yeah i guess so like a gameplay well roguelites
1: don't necessarily have a short a short loop i mean that's true too like is short. if you're gonna
0: have a good that's a good point if you're gonna have a good run on a game like that it's gonna be an hour yeah. or two hours like
1: yeah usually i would say the sweet spot for a roguelite is about an hour per run yeah and that's if you're getting close to the end uh but like to go back to his question Colin's question about it i i i'm with you frank i don't think that dying and reloading is the main driving factor that they obviously through testing and just playing games you know you know, loading, reloading is not fun. You know, Frank's classic, who thought this was fun? Everyone knows it's not fun to sit and wait for a reload screen. But with the roguelike games too, is they're almost all randomly generated dungeons, which means every time you load, it's essentially a different game with similar mechanics. So the enemies will have the same sort of like logic to them. But the areas you go are potentially different, and the room setups are different. So every time you play, like I played Rogue Legacy an absolute shit ton. And, I mean, the enemies are the same. So you improve your knowledge of what enemies will do. And part of the draw is that as you get further and further, you encounter new enemies that you haven't discovered, that you now need to learn how to fight. And, yes, you're upgrading stuff as you go, which makes... Completing it on your first or second run almost impossible uh, to increase your strength or whatever. But I think, I think that is that that loop of getting slowly better and seeing something new every time, even though you're essentially starting from the beginning every time. You can still see the progression out. I think. Um, Do you guys watch that Game Maker's Toolkit on YouTube?
0: No, no.
1: I think he did a really good analysis of Roguelike games where there's like there's some sort of peak where your skill your skill and what you have to purchase kind of goes up together it's not like you would think where it's not like if your skill is high you can beat it like frank Mm -hmm. was saying it's like you still need to put in time to beat it because you just are not strong enough to get it and i know in rogue legacy there's a there's an achievement for beating it in 15 runs or something like that, or under 15 runs. And I tried, that was like the last achievement I had to get. And it was really difficult. And I could go an hour on my very first run. But if you don't get to like a certain point, you just know this, this run to get to 15 is over because I just will not be strong enough. Now I haven't, I haven't made enough on my first run to get enough upgrades to sort of go through to the next area fast enough. And I think just like that loop of being able to improve yourself and a short enough overall game loop of only an hour is really compelling. And I I don't think they, I mean, obviously they found that through testing, but there's a lot of games like that now coming out. I I pulled up a quick list of like a lot of them are really popular, like Binding of Isaac, Slay the Spire, uh, Dead Cells, FTL, Enter the Gungeon, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Nuclear Throne, like all these games are super popular, and they all have the the exact same loop. These are all just sort of these roguelite, and I think just market markets have shown that people like to play these games because they're so replayable. And I think a lot of these games are coming out now because there's so many people buying them.
0: I think another thing that helps is a lack of story. That it, sure. when you continue off. You- not everyone plays games or continues the game every day and it's tough to remember what was going on and does it even matter at that point? It's, it's just kind of, uh, emergent gameplay and like getting people love that about from software games that lore and story is embedded in the world and it's kind of whatever you make of it. It's there if you want it and it's just a fun experience if you don't. So I don't know. I, I feel young gamers are way more interested in free-to-play games, um, non-story-based games, obviously multiplayer games. I I, I don't know. I think story-based
2: games are going to become less and less popular. I think you're right. I mean, just based on what I see with Kieran in particular – try to get him into games that have a story because i'm like i want to play this game but it's a co-op game we can play together or something and he'll always lose interest after a couple hours but you know keep going he'll keep going back to other games that are just sort of you can play around like you know your minecraft type sandbox kind of games and yeah maybe it is a generational thing i'm not sure but i i did have one other thought on the roguelike thing and i think I could be wrong on this, but I feel like from a developer point of view, it is potentially easier to put together because you, it, with the randomized levels, you don't you save a lot on level design, right? Like I don't know if you end up losing that on the balancing side, like cuz obviously that gets a lot more complex of having to balance the random elements and make sure it's still playable. But I feel like not having to design like all these levels from start to finish and just kind of have it randomly generated is a big thing for indie developers. Yeah. And if you build the
0: systems properly, like even just combinations of things again, lead to emergent gameplay. And I I totally agree. Balancing is a bigger issue, but art assets, hopefully if you design those systems correctly uh, you know, it's kind of plug and play and compartmentalized and less, you know, specific work and more general work that every time you add something new it just expands the combinations and more things can happen and
1: but that also there's there's like an exponential difficulty spike with roguelike development where like when you don't have it you have nothing and then all of (laughs) a sudden it all comes together and it's it's basically done Uh, but like, if you don't get the randomization correct, if you don't get the level stitching correct, if you don't get the enemy combinations correct, like nothing, nothing feels good. And it is just a horrible game until you sort of hit (laughs) that plateau and then everything's flying from there. But I mean, to get that, you got to be really dedicated. I I bet a lot of those indie games that made it big as roguelikes, I bet they spent two, three years just grinding it out, trying to get to that plateau. And then they finally hit it. You know, and they went into early access or whatever, and the rest is history. They were super successful. But, I mean, that that first few years, I bet, is, is scary because you really have no plan except, like, I hope it comes together in the end.
0: Yeah, I wonder, this might exist already, but, you know, something like Game Maker that provides something for the randomization aspects and, like, if someone's outsourced something on an asset store for handling building maps and stuff like that that you can plug into or use so you they kind of have all the tweaking of numbers set and maybe even custom settings or presets for like what type of game you're trying to make i feel like that might be an opportunity for developers that are really good and understand the rogue like genre that they could sell that so that people are really just focused on art and worried less about getting things right like certain settings for weapons enemies stuff like that and they almost map it out for you where you just do the art i could even see like a something like little big planet where you make your own roguelike game or something like that maybe a smaller version but i could see that happening
1: they do have tools like that in the unity asset store yeah uh, i don't know about i don't know about unreal but i'm sure they are there as
2: well makes sense Okay, any can other thoughts? Can I ask a stupid question? Do you guys know what's the difference between rogue light and rogue like? Is it the permadeath thing? Yes. So yeah, rogue, rogue light, you continue with the like stuff you. Some progression. Gathered? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um,
0: and then there's souls about, like, which uh, is slightly different as well.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> Uh, what what about the rest of this question about the gaming trends that have come out of testing? Do, can you guys think of any?
0: Oh, the big stuff I can think mm-hmm. of is just probably multiplayer or not, um, like difficulty and, you know, especially the teaching puzzles like whether or not people get what you're teaching them or not and how to make that better and nothing other than that type of stuff and communication and pathing, like people know where to go but I haven't made anything that's like everything I've designed has been two D really, so it's not like they don't know where to go, uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. So that's been pretty easy. But, you know, lighting paths and getting things the flow of the game and it like game design is really about teaching, right? Like are you teaching the player so that they know what they need to do next in like a an intuitive way but not a, a hand holdy way. And that's what I find most playtesting is about. No that's specific to the games I've
1: worked on. Yeah, I would say most trends come from, like, other games that come out. Now, obviously, through their testing, they hit on something awesome, and then they release it, and then everyone copies them. But it's... I I, I can't think of anything that, like, through testing, people find something that trends. I mean, I guess in that sense it is, but it's yeah. not usually, like, everyone hits on it at the same time. Usually one person finds it, and then people try to emulate that game. Like... I mean, uh, PUBG is the perfect example right now. Everyone's got the battle royale versions, right? That's the big trend right now. And MOBA, similar thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess the one
0: kind of thing that's similar is the. It might not be player play testing, like random play testing with strangers and stuff like that, but internal play testing definitely reveals that with like iterative design and trying out different things, uh, like the way you play test and. You might find you do stuff like just for fun or random stuff that you're like, we should put that in the game. I I don't think it happens too much from like a big trend, like Huck is saying, but systems evolve from internal playtesting. And I mean, Lost Orbit ideas evolve from playtesting. Like the screen wrap idea was inspired by a playtester and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I think of Too Human and stuff like the juggling. Where it's like, you know, there's something that people internally as they're playing the game are starting to play and experiment with. And they they realize, oh, this is like a fun thing that maybe wasn't a mechanic in the game, but we can actually make it one and highlight it and teach players to do it. And that kind of stuff, I think, comes out of testing a lot. But maybe not. Yeah, I think it's trend. more
0: game specific, I think, with that stuff.
2: Yeah. Okay,
0: anything else on this one before we move it along? Nope. Okay. So what we've been playing, as I mentioned, I finished Last of Us Two last night, actually. And I really liked it. I I I guess my initial reaction, and I've seen this reaction other places, I, I looked to see if other people had said it. I don't think it's as good as it thinks it is. And I guess that's kind of the way I feel about The Last of Us 1 as well. But just general thoughts. Best looking game I've ever played in my life. Like it looks so good. The visual pacing. And I've always talked about this with Naughty Dog Games. Every chapter has such a unique visual style. Even more so than old Naughty Dog Games. I mean some of the sections with just torchlight or firelight are incredible. So uh, I love the the visual pacing of the game, as we talked about with Last of Us One, all of the characters are really strong in my opinion. The story, the strength of the story, is the characters. Uh, we've alluded to the game trying to make a statement about stuff, and that's where the story isn't as good as it thinks it is, in my opinion. Like, there's, I know I've talked about this with Uncharted Four as well, but like decisions I'm making and where it wants me to go. I'm not getting that from the game like the 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 conclusion I think it wanted me to draw by the end of the game. I certainly didn't have the conclusion of the characters, so I mean, we'll get into specifics, but it's not that I dislike the story either. as far as sto- game stories go, it's pretty good. I do find it to be a little long I, I I know that's we've talked about this already too, but it's a little too long for the point it's trying to make um but overall, really liked it thought there were some great moments and honestly the visuals do make a huge difference for the moments there's some stuff towards the end and I know we talked about the the winter sunrise and all this stuff but the lighting and feeling real it's it's exceptional uh and there's some stuff at the very end some locations that I didn't know about that are drastic changes from what you've seen in the game up until that point that are so good so good uh, but overall, really liked it. I like it wouldn't be a ten for me at all. It's probably like a an eight point five or eight point seven five something like that out of ten. I do find I'm I'm wanting to play more like just twitchy type action games than methodical slow paced stuff, and that could just be like a current vibe I'm in. Um, but it, I think I don't think it helped playing The Last of Us one. Like two and a half times before playing this, even though I tried to do it earlier, I was kind of like kind of getting bored with the gameplay, but don't want to hold that against the game too much. That's more on me, but, but very good. And we will get into specifics in the near future in a spoiler review. Hopefully. <laughs> well, the spoiler down review down. is happening. When is the question? And who yeah. partakes and in the who? spoiler? <laughs> yes. Sean may right not. Solo cast. Much like The Last of Us 1, Sean may not be finishing The Last of Us 2 until The Last of Us 3 <laughs> is coming <laughs> out in seven years. or we'll 10, ten years. See. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we will see. I mean, I'm still playing it, but I'm definitely chipping away at it slowly. So... All right, Sean, what have you been playing? Okay, so a couple other things I've been playing on the side, aside from The Last of Us 2. So we were talking Apple Arcade. I'll just throw out a quick half recommendation, I guess. I mean, I didn't love this game, but I've been hearing a lot of good things about it, and I checked it out. It's called Little Orpheus, and I had heard it being compared very favorably to Limbo and Inside, which I love. So I was like, okay, I got to check this thing out. Now it's developed by, I think they're called the Chinese room. the, The same people who did dear Esther and, uh, everyone's gone to the rapture, which are more narrative based kind of walking simulator type games. Uh, this one is just basically a puzzle platformer, but it does have a story to it. And I would say, the story is kind of the thing that makes it unique because the puzzle stuff is pretty light. The platforming is not that amazing. There's not a lot to the actual mechanics of the game, but the story is kind of interesting. The idea is that you're a Russian cosmonaut who fell into a volcano or jumped into a volcano and kind of went. It's kind of like a journey to the center of the earth kind of thing, and he's kind of, he's made his way back and he's telling his general all these fantastical things he saw, these different creatures and worlds that he was in. And as he's telling the story, you're playing through what he did. And uh, it's very colorful and I like the art style, Um, but I I guess I just wish there was a little more, like the puzzles are, are not much more than just like push a crate over and reach something you couldn't reach before. There's a couple of little, things like in Ori where there's like a giant creature and you have to kind of hide behind things and slowly make your way across an area. Uh, so there's a few things like that, but uh, the voice acting's pretty solid and uh, you know, it was, it was decent. So you finished it. You've completed this game. I haven't completed this game. I've played four. It's divided into eight chapters. So I've played four out of eight chapters, but okay. they're pretty short because uh, like inside, I remember the puzzles being very
0: simple, like, Mm -hmm. a button pushing stuff like you said and hiding from things but the the environments change over the course of the game and that's where the variation comes in like taking that same very simple mechanic but applying it to a new environment or um surrounding element in the game
2: right yeah i mean like it's possible that it evolves over time um but I don't know, from what I've seen of other reviews, people seem to be mostly praising the the presentation and the story and not as much the gameplay. but mm. I mean, I like it enough that i'm I'm still playing it from time to time. Are you playing this on your phone? I
0: guess I've never asked this question before. Are you playing it on an apple t v or your or your Roku version of uh this uh, where are you at with the middle have, of the road
2: technology so I'm playing it on my phone with with a xbox controller nice you got the clip on there yep beautiful i i have been curious to try the apple tv thing but it does not work with the like the roku apple tv app you have to have the actual hardware uh because it is air it goes over airplay i guess or something like that so i've never tried it i'm curious they seem to be pushing it a bit more with apple arcade more games support it now but um I've, I've never really played around with it. Um, I have one other thing, but I'll throw it over to Huck City.
1: I have nothing. Oh.
2: <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> then I will briefly talk about Wargroove, which I think you did play at some point, right, Huck City? Yeah, I,
1: I have it installed. I played probably the first, I don't know, five or so maps of it. Mm-hmm. Something like that, not too much. I did, I have wanted to go back to it, but
2: yeah, it's weird. I I've seen that game, so it's on Game Pass, and like it's been out for at least a year, maybe longer. And I, you know, I heard the name, I've seen it around, and never never really clued into what exactly it was. But it's so weird because for years I've been saying, you know, why aren't they making more Advance Wars games? Like I know Fire Emblem kind of took over that mantle a bit and that's where Nintendo seemed to be putting all their uh, turn-based strategy efforts these days. But a lot of people liked advanced wars. I was kind of surprised we hadn't seen a resurrection of that, but that's kind of what war groove is. It's very similar to advanced wars. It's turn-based strategy game, but it's uh, it's got it like a fantasy medieval uh, theme, I guess. And uh, it's just, you know, it's something about, like, I like strategy games, but I don't like it when they get too complicated. And I always found Advance Wars was a really nice, like, it's it's easy to pick up and play, but as the game progresses, it gets more complex. And that's kind of what I've been finding with Wargroove as well. They, I, they do I have, think I
1: found the same thing.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that's why I kind of bounced off it. I was just, I was getting pretty beat down pretty early on in the game
2: it is is surprisingly hard now so there's there's a co-op campaign i was actually playing it a bit with kieran because there's this co-op campaign and we started playing it and we were getting destroyed and i was like this is weird because they're not even really explaining much to you but i guess the co-op campaign was added afterwards as like a dlc thing so i think that's why but i i did find with the at least with the initial few levels of the main campaign they're at least kind of explaining stuff to you and it wasn't too crazy but i think it does ramp up pretty quickly Mm -hmm.
1: i do want to go back to it i like the art style it's cartoony i i like i mean i grew up playing like shining force which is essentially this i think shining force came a little after the first couple fire emblem games that came out uh, but they're all sort of that same style, grid-based uh, art, like not RTS, but uh, just strategy games. And yeah, I like. it. I would go back to it. I think I think it's been out longer than a year because I think it was on Steam for quite a while before. But but yeah, I I liked it. I'm gonna go back to it eventually. One of these days.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it would it would be great on the Switch let's just put that out there but uh i actually it it is available on uh, xbox play anywhere as well so i was able to play on my laptop and have it sync between that and the xbox which is kind of handy but yeah i'm enjoying that if you're at all into turn-based strategy stuff check it out cool all right looks like we're wrapping this one up uh anything else you guys want to get off your chest? i don't think so i mean uh hopefully there's some more events coming up i know there have been a few announced and there's that xbox um summer game fest thing i don't know if that's exactly what it's called but they're doing demos just like steam was doing so kind of curious about that you shall see uh i would say
0: don't count on a last of us two review next week probably not the week after uh, <laughs> but it'll it'll be coming in soon enough but Ghost of Tsushima is only two weeks away I will be playing Iron Man VR I'll have some thoughts on that for next week as well the reviews are not amazing and I, I'm looking forward to seeing if they're accurate or not I don't think so I loved it alright that's it we'll uh, see you next week thanks for listening bye bye